We are so glad you're here. We are in the third week of a series that we're calling Real Relationships. And the premise of this series is simply this. We all have relational worlds. And uh, we think as followers of Jesus that our relational world should begin to look a little differently. And so we're in Ephesians chapter 4 talking about forgiveness this morning. I asked Chris last week, he did a great job talking about words that build up, and I asked him to um, sort of set up the series that I forgot the week before, saying this is a no-nudge series, which simply means as we're talking about forgiveness and you're thinking how the person next to you needs to hear what I'm saying and what God is saying, what I want you to hear is that word and not worry about them. So spouses, none of this. Siblings that are mad at your brother or sister from this morning, none of the nudging next to you. We, uh, we want God to speak to us, and uh, we are excited. This is, this is for me, if you are new to Crossview, it's a uh, pretty cool morning to be around. Um, we get to sing together words that we are believing or trying to believe. We get to get into God's word. Um, this morning, we get to see two teenagers experience believer's baptism. They're going to say out loud to the rest of us, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to be a part of this community. Um, and then after church, we get to have a business meeting. And if you are new around here, that's just a family meeting. There, there's nothing weird about it. It's just we get together, and we want to have ourselves structured in such a way that we can do the most effective ministry. That is the simplicity of what that is about. Anybody is free to stay around for that, and uh, we would love to have you do that. So with all that said, let me pray before we jump into this uh, text this morning. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that um, your word would be good. It would bring life this morning. Lord, wherever there is dead in our lives relationally, where we've offended somebody, where we've been offended, Lord, I pray that your message of forgiveness would bring life and hope. Pray this in your name and all God's people said, Amen. We are going to talk about forgiveness. And uh, before we jump into the text in Ephesians 4, I want to talk a couple of things that if forgiveness is not. Because it's essential to understand if we're going to get towards forgiveness, we have to understand what it is not. So four things that are very important, very important. Number one, it's not easy. If we're going to have a good, healthy talk about forgiveness, we have to understand that it is one of the hardest things to do. It reflects the fact that there's a God who came and died for our sins to provide forgiveness. And that image tells us forgiveness is really, really hard. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. Number two, weakness, uh, forgiveness does not mean you are a doormat. It does not mean that you are weak. The reality is forgiveness requires strength. It requires power. In essence, we are entering in, when we enter into a forgiving relationship, we are putting boundaries and control in healthy places where they should be. Third thing is this. Forgiveness does not result in reconciliation every time. It's very key to understand. Forgiveness does not result in recon reconciliation every time. You may have a restored relationship, but here on earth, it may look a little different. You may enter into a relationship of forgiveness where you still need to put up boundaries because of abuse or whatever other situations might exist. We don't have time to go into that this morning, but understand this is a big, large conversation. So it's not easy. It doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't result in reconciliation every time. And here is a very, very, very important one. It's not a one-time event. 
I was watching uh, Tim Allen's stand-up comedy a couple decades ago, and he was talking about his marriage. And um, if you don't know who Tim Allen is, those of you younger than me, home improvement from back in the day. Um, but he's talking about his marriage. He goes, yeah, every morning we get up, I look my wife in the eyes, and I say, will you please forgive me? Because I know at some point during that day I'm going to offend her. And it, it's a little, little true about what forgiveness is. In most every relationship in which you do life, in which you relate, you will on a consistent basis experience forgiveness or give forgiveness away. And the majority of us sitting in this room are in a place where we probably have one relationship, at least some of us more, we probably have one relationship where forgiveness needs to happen, right? This is not just you. One person alone needs to hear this. We all have broken relationships. And the beauty of Ephesians 4, as we get in the text, the beauty of Ephesians 4 is we get to forgiveness after some really important things. Last week, Chris talked about the idea that we need to speak words that build others up according to their need. And before that, I talked about speaking the truth in love. And we need to get our minds and hearts around those ideas as we enter into what does it mean to be in the place where we have relationships where forgiveness is the normative reality. With all that said, Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 29. We'll recap a little bit of what Chris said last week, and then we're going to sit with verse 30 and 32. Verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, who absolutely, that verse is so good, especially if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you like, you want it on a t-shirt and just hold it up in front of your kids all the time. Look at this verse before you talk. It makes sense. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This Holy Spirit idea, if we go back to the first three chapters of Ephesians, there, we believe as we gather, if, if you're wondering about the Christian faith, here's the premise of what we believe. We believe that there is a loving God who created us in his image. We also believe that we have rebelled against that God, that we have willfully chosen to live life on our own with us as the leader and that we have rebelled against that God. But we also believe in the story of God that God comes down in the form of Jesus Christ and lives among us, dies for our sins so that we can have forgiveness and then rises again. And it's in a trusting relationship with that God that we enter into this new life that the Bible talks about. That is in the most simple way I can talk about the first three chapters of Ephesians. That there's a loving God who wants to have a relationship with everyone in this room. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to lead your lives. And that is the essence of chapters one through three. And what Paul is saying, if you have experienced that life with God, it's going to start to change your normal, actual, everyday life. And here's how he says it. So, grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The idea of seal, it's this official stamp that's put on a document. That it marks the occasion or the use, that mark or that seal. It indicates who it belongs to and what it's for. And Paul is saying to this people, if you've experienced this life in Jesus Christ, you are now sealed for the day of redemption. The day of redemption simply means when God comes and puts everything back to rights. When this world in which we live on is made right again. 
So you, if you are following Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and you are marked for the day when things are made right again. So you begin to live now looking towards the future. It shapes who you are in the current now reality. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In verse 32, a lot of you could probably repeat it, but it implies a couple of things. We just talked about the story of God. It implies, as Paul is talking to this group of believers in Ephesus, it implies that they've experienced forgiveness themselves. That this hard-to-understand truth that a loving God would come and die for our sins, that this group of people has said, "I, I ask forgiveness of my sins and I want to trust in you that they have experienced that thing that is so big, so enormous. For those of us who put our faith in Christ, it's a day-in, day-out experience. There's a loving God that would forgive Brad Jackson. It's insane. It's implied that you've experienced, but it's also implied that if you've experienced that, you begin to live differently in your relational world. You become a forgiving type of person is what Paul is saying to them. And here's forgiveness to find because we have a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is this. It's promising not to hold over another's head. Knowing what has happened to you and promising not to hold over another's head. One of the greatest lies that we hear is forgive and for... That's... That's not, <laughs> that is not true, right? Forgive, for, you know, when you have forgiven somebody, they've asked you for forgiveness, you know what's happened to you. You know the pain that has been caused and because God invites you into a forgiving relationship, you choose to not hold it over their head even though you know it happened. That. that is one of the most God moments you can have in your life because that's what God does for us. When we ask forgiveness of God because of the death of Jesus Christ, God chooses, even though well knowing who we are, everything that we've done, he chooses not to hold it over our heads. So when we become forgiving type of people, we enter into this very divine place that we know is hard, right? It's really hard. I had a friend probably over a decade ago whose husband had an affair in her. And it just, it angered me. And I remember watching them. They have an amazing, repaired, restored marriage now. But I remember watching, and, and, and they, they work through forgiveness. They restored their marriage. And as I watched that, it actually got me more and more angry. Like, how can you forgive the guy that does that? Because she's always going to know about it, right? You don't forget it. And guess what it does? When we choose not to forgive, and I understand forgiveness can be a process. When we choose not to forgive... Think about what withholding forgiveness does to you, what it did to me in that situation. It is toxic in our whole relational world. See, here's the truth. When I choose not to forgive this person, it affects my whole relational reality. All my relationships begin to be affected when I choose not to be a forgiving person towards that relationship. I love what one person said. When we choose, 
When we choose anger instead of forgiveness, what we're doing is anger is always buried alive and will reappear. We think we can put it aside. We think we can push it down. But the reality is it's buried alive and it will rear its ugly head. We'll talk about that a little more next week when we actually talk about anger. And I love this. Withholding anger is essentially like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Isn't that a good one? When you withhold anger, you're essentially swallowing a pill and you're thinking it's hurting the other person. The reality is it is tearing and destroying your spiritual soul. We're choosing life apart from God when we choose to withhold anger. And the beauty of Scripture, we're going to turn to Luke 17 in a second to figure out how do we practice that. We can talk about forgiveness. We can say let's be forgiving people. But what does it look like? The beauty of Scripture is this. Because for a lot of us, when I'm talking about forgiveness, you have a relationship that pops into your mind and your first reaction is this. I love that you're talking about forgiveness, Brad, but when they come to me, then we can talk about forgiveness. Scripture deals with both sides of the relationship. If you're the hurt, offended one, and as I'm preaching and talking about forgiveness, you're thinking of that person who needs to ask you for forgiveness, we're going to look at a text that tells you how to deal with that. But... The very obvious one, if you are the offender, then you need to go and ask for forgiveness, right? That's, that's the more basic one that we see all the time. So Luke 17. I think this story will really help us as we figure out how to flesh this whole reality out. Luke 17, if you have your Bibles, if not, it will be on the screen behind me. It says this, starting in verse 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. This word rebuke, when we see rebuke in Scripture, for many of us, we think quickly about, okay, rebuke means I put together in my mind the lashing out that I'm going to give this person because I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to tell them what's up. And so we have it planned out. We're going to put them in their place. The word here, the Greek word, actually means a tentative confrontation. So if a brother sins, if someone has hurt you, The first step is this, a tentative confrontation. It seems to me, here's how I feel. Speak the truth in love. Let's keep reading. So if your brother sins, rebuke, tentatively rebuke, confront him. If he repents, forgive him. If he asks for forgiveness, then you choose while still knowing that you will not hold it over his or her head. But then Jesus keeps talking. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Just so you know, that's, you, you don't sort of add that math together and say, okay, if they do it that many times, then Jesus is saying, stop then. No. The idea is forgiving people forgive an awful lot. Time and time and time again. And it's so intriguing, the next verse here. There's no other place in the Gospels where the disciples ask for faith. And after hearing about forgiveness, what do they say? Jesus, we're, we're going to need more faith than we have for this. Yeah, we'll, we'll heal the blind. We'll help the lame. We'll preach to thousands. But you're asking us to forgive. That's a big deal. Luke 17 gives us a beautiful process the screen will be four words that I think this text gives us. Rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat. 
in an overstated wide way. Here's what it would actually look like. Chris Papenfus is another pastor here on staff. And let's say after this service, we're out in the lobby there and I'm talking to somebody else and Chris comes up to me. I sort of see him coming, wondering what he's up. And he comes up to me and just punches me in the face. I mean, just wallops me and goes walking away. Now, my first reaction would be to punch him back. I've never been in a fight in my life, so I don't know what that would look like. So let's pretend like we're going to practice what Scripture says. So Chris punches me in the face, walks away. I'm going to practice step one. So I, I walk, I'm like, uh, talk to the, the person I'm talking to. You know, can you excuse me a second? I just got hit in the face. Um, so I, I go walk over to Chris, and, and I'm going to do the first step. You know, Chris, I, I, I barely felt it. It wasn't that hard of a hit, but... Um, don't be passive aggressive on the first side. That's a, gi- a gift I have. Um, but the first step is, Chris, I, I'm pretty sure you hit me in the face. Um, and, uh, just wondering, like, why'd you do that? What's up? I, f- I feel like you should probably ask me for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, what's up? And so Chris looks at me and he said, Brad, I... I've really had a rough, rough week, and, and just, I, I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me. It won't happen again. I'm like, Chris, I forgive you totally, and, and I'm going to know about it, but I'm not going to hold this over. So I walk away, and I go back, and I'm doing my pastoral work, talking to somebody else, and Chris walks up again and hits me again, and just walks away. So I go back, and I'm like, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but you hit me again. What's up? He says, Brad, I... I'm really sorry. I don't want to do it again. I'm trying not to do it again. You've heard this, right? Yeah, it's it's sort of funny, but it's sort of true. And he says, Brad, please forgive me. And I'm like, Chris, totally. Forgive you, brother. Now, there's margin and and abuse things you can talk about there, but rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat. Rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat. It's an interesting process. Because it reminds me of my relationship with God. That the Holy Spirit rebukes me. I repent. God always forgives me. And we repeat. And God wants us to enter into relationships where we do this. Tentatively rebuke. Repent, forgive, repeat. There's a great story in Sister Helen Prejean's book, Dead Man Walking. Where she tells a story of a guy named Lloyd LeBlanc. He's a Roman Catholic layman. His son is murdered and he is taken out with the police to the place where it happened to identify his son. And he immediately kneels beside his son and starts to pray the Lord's Prayer. He comes to the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespasses against us. And she says, as he says these words, he feels the weight and intensity of what he's actually praying. That he was making a commitment that whoever did this, he would actually have to forgive them. And he goes on to say this, because I think it gets to the heart of what we just said in Luke 17. He says, Though it had been difficult not to be overcome by bitterness and feelings of revenge that well up from time to time, that for the rest of my life, forgiveness must be prayed for and struggled for and won. And in our relationships, that's the exact same thing. Rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat again and again and again. And in doing that, we experience the grace of God and we tell the story of grace in ways we can do um, in no other way. So that is the invitation we talk about forgiveness. Let's pray.
Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we, we would know forgiveness from you. Lord, each person in this room, I pray, God, that they would know and experience that there is a loving creator God who has died for our sin and brokenness. And it's simply by asking, by repenting, by turning that you forgive us. God, I pray that that would be the experience of each person. And then, Lord, as we experience that, I pray that we would, with open hands and open hearts, and often tears down our faces, that we would offer that in healthy ways that reflect your love. I pray this in your name. Amen.